Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to the little show that could here at the corner of What the Fuck O'Clock... And uh, bringing good trouble to the right-wing bubble. This is Tell Me Everything, coming to you live all week long from Los Angeles. It's great to be back on the West Coast. I hope you guys are well. Hope you had a great weekend. We're going to be live for the next three hours at 866-997-4748. we got a great show tonight. Four of our favorite amazing women are joining us. Uh, the great Liz Winstead, co-creator of The Daily Show and the creator of Abortion Access Front, will be here to talk about the 50-year anniversary of Roe v. Wade and a really cool campaign that uh, Abortion Access Front began with some of our favorite lady comedians called Send in the Gowns, which is half activism, half prank show, and it's pretty fun. Also, uh, the great Rhonda Handsome joins us in hour two to smack down fools. Natalia Reagan joins us in the middle of uh, Rhonda's time with another edition of Shit You Just Can't Say. So for the next couple hours, you can reach us at 866-997-4748. It's great to be back in L.A. I always love to be in a place where everybody buys shoes and no one walks anywhere. We're using a turn signal as a sign of weakness, but we have some great interviews. Uh, Anna Gasteyer is going to return, talking to her tomorrow. Uh, Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles. I'll be sitting down with him this week in the SiriusXM studios in Hollywood and of Poco and of Ringo Starr's band. Very excited to have another Eagle on the show. And also, let me thank everyone who came down to the Phillipstown Depot Theater in Garrison, New York. My first time doing a headlining set in 2023. We did an hour Like they just said, it's a theater and a train station. I thought, oh, my God, what is it, like a a supply shed with chairs? Oh, what am I? But I know the guy who's on the board and he was asking me for so long. I was blown away. What a beautiful theater, incredible architecture, one of the most unique places I've ever played. Just fantastic. And we had a sold out crowd. Thank you, everybody who came out for the show. I am very excited to get on the road this year. It's going to be a pretty interesting time. And I'm so glad that you guys are with us. Our number again is 866-997-4748-866-997. Grit, let's do a show. I want to begin by quoting Henry Miller, who said, 
to be silent the whole day, see no newspaper, hear no radio, listen to no gossip, be thoroughly and completely lazy, thoroughly and completely indifferent to the fate of the world, is the finest medicine a man can give himself. And that may be true, but now the day is done, and it's time to get back in the game. We have a lot of shit to get to. And don't forget, uh, they want you to be thoroughly and completely indifferent to the fate of the world. That's called gaslighting. Please take a break when you need it for mental health, then get back in the game. Because we got a lot to cover. Donald Trump, in his fake campaign for president in 2024, has added a stop in New Hampshire this Saturday morning. Before he does his big launch event in South Carolina, he's trying to shore up support in those early primary states. And it's not going to be easy for him. Franklin Graham drew Trump off the bus this week, announcing that he wasn't going to endorse anybody in 2024. Until, of course, Trump drops out and they enthusiastically endorse Ron DeSantis. But this is also, you know, the, the same Donald Trump campaign, which says, oh, we're sorry that we let the white nationalist Nick Fuentes in to the Mar-a-Lago Nazi Thanksgiving dinner. We're going to have better vetting. Well, I don't know if you heard about this yet, but Trump just posed for a photo in Mar-a-Lago with former Philadelphia mob boss Joey Merlino. So just everything's fine right there. I want to talk about today's top story because it relates to Trump and it kind of relates to everything. Now, if at any point any of this bothers you, what we're going to talk about, I encourage you, if you're a conservative loved one, if you're a, well, we don't have conservatives anymore, do we? If you're a right wing loved one, uh, if you're a Republican, if you're a Trump supporter, Google, uh, Google a Senate Intel Committee Trump Russia report. Okay, because um, what you call collusion was real. Collusion is not a crime. Conspiracy is. And that was never proven. But they, they were colluding all over the place. And today's top story is something that Seth Abramson, friend of this show, said was major breaking news, especially to those of us journalists who have publicly decried and carefully substantiated the leniency that FBI counterintelligence specifically showed to Trump in refusing to do anything to investigate Deripaska-led Trump-Russia collusion. Deripaska, remember that name? The Russian oligarch who was paying off Paul Manafort. He had a lot of his properties seized. He owns a townhouse on Gay Street in Greenwich Village, around the corner from where I am. And I, I, I remember when the feds shut down the whole block and raided his place. Well, before we get into today's top story, it requires a little bit of backstory, because um, today was pretty huge. And today's story was so huge, I predict the major media will forget about it by tomorrow. But to set it up, let's go back, back through the mists of time to a long ago land called 2016, election season. Rudy Giuliani, former, <laughs> former everything, went on uh, Martha McCallum's show. And Rudy was not able to keep his mouth shut. Uh, Rudy, he was talking about Trump's interview with Martha McCallum. And, and I just wanted to give a listen to Rudy. You can hear him grinning and giggling because Rudy knows something about the FBI that hasn't become public knowledge yet. And he can't keep his mouth shut. Give a quick listen. 14 days. Uh, does Bill, does the Donald Trump plan anything except for a series of uh, inspiring rallies? Yes. What? <laughs> You'll see <laughs> when will this we got a couple of surprises left. October surprises? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I call them early November surprises, surprises in the way that we're going to campaign to get our message out there, maybe in a little bit of a different way. Okay. And you'll see, and I think it'll be enormously effective. Here and it comes. I do think that all of these revelations about Hillary Clinton finally are beginning to have an impact. And I think this last McAuliffe one was a just a, a shot right to the what they call unboxing the solar plexus. Okay, now, two days after Rudy was there, smugly announcing something's going to come out, 
FBI Director James Comey told Congress that his agents had restarted their investigation of Hillary Clinton for using a private email server while she was Secretary of State after agents in a totally different case found emails that could potentially possibly maybe be relevant to that server case. In other words, 12 days before the 2016 election, the FBI director released a letter saying he had found an all-new trove of emails and implying this could be the smoking gun about her private email server. Didn't mention he was investigating Trump as well. Only mentioned Hillary Clinton was being investigated. Josh Marshall did some great stuff for Talking Points Memo about this. He talked about it at the time, how the FBI's New York field office found these Hillary Clinton emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop on September 26th or 27th. And by the end of the month, they were leaking that information to Devin Nunez and eventually to Rudy Giuliani, who was advising Trump. And then Giuliani went on Fox and talked about it. Again, the FBI's field office discovered Clinton emails on Anthony, disgraced Congressman Anthony Weiner's laptop. And then by late September, they were leaking that information out of the FBI New York field office to Devin Nunez and eventually to Rudy Giuliani. Now, again, Comey didn't mention the FBI was leaking the information to Devin Nunez, who went on Laura Ingram and talked about it. Comey didn't mention they were investigating Trump as well. He only mentioned they were investigating Hillary Clinton's emails. And by the way, let me slip the name Anthony Weiner and laptop into my announcement. So you know what happened? <laughs> it helped get Donald Trump elected. The FBI field office in New York helped get Donald Trump elected. Here's an article that came out a month later. Banner headline in the New York Times. Investigating Donald Trump, FBI sees no clear link to Russia. This was on Halloween 2016. Law enforcement officials say none of the investigations so far found any conclusive or direct link between Mr. Trump and the Russian government. And even the hacking into Democratic emails, FBI and intelligence officials now believe, was aimed at disrupting the presidential election rather than electing Mr. Trump. Now, we know that's not true. We know that Putin interfered in our election. We know that Putin did it to help Trump. And we know that Putin wanted Trump to win because Putin said so. But this was the New York Times saying there's no Kremlin infiltration of the Trump campaign at all. And this is the FBI that killed Hillary Clinton's campaign at the last minute because of the New York field office. When Attorney General Loretta Lynch gave her testimony to the DOJ's inspector general, she talked about a conversation she had with Jim Comey right after he released this letter. I'm going to quote her. Attorney General Lynch said, he said to me, it had become clear to him. He didn't say over the course of what investigation or whatever. He said, it's clear to me that there is a cadre of senior people in New York, meaning the New York FBI field office, who have a deep and visceral hatred of Secretary Clinton. And he said, it is deep. He said it was surprising to him or stunning to him. But he was saying bias did exist and it was hard to manage because these agents were very, very senior or had even timed out and were staying on and therefore did not really feel under pressure from headquarters or anything to that effect. This is the same New York FBI field office that was so intent on investigating the Clinton Foundation even after the prosecutor said they didn't have a case. Now, the FBI supposedly investigated the FBI field office in New York's leak to Giuliani. They did an investigation to find out who it was that leaked all this to Giuliani before he went on Fox News and blabbed. And the results of the investigation have never been released. We, the public which pays for the FBI and paid for the investigation, deserve to see the results. Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, crew, they sued the FBI for documents related to that investigation. We still don't know what happened with that. They announced it. 
And we're never going to know why James Comey made that announcement. I mean, was it just that he was a narcissist? Did he know the impact it would have? Because it did. Donald Trump's president because of what James Comey did in the final 12 days. Now, this is Donald Trump who took over 100 million odd in payments from Russian mafia over the years. He was planning to build a $1 billion Trump Tower in Moscow during the election, which only could happen if Putin approved it. Eight of his staffers were convicted. Four of them were convicted for lying under oath about Russia. But the FBI said there was no link. The New York FBI office said there was no link. Okay, let's go to today. In the same New York Times that said how the FBI field office found no link. The headline is, a former high-level FBI official has been indicted in New York and D.C. on charges of taking money from a former Foreign Intelligence Service agent and conspiring to violate U.S. sanctions on Russia by taking secret payments from Russian oligarch Oleg Deripaska. Deripaska, who also gained access to the Donald Trump campaign because he paid Trump's former campaign manager, Paul Manafort, $10 million dollars. Paul Manafort was sharing sensitive polling data with Deripaska during the campaign. That's why Manafort had to leave. Uh, Of course, Robert Mueller took down Manafort and Donald Trump gave Manafort a pardon. Deripaska, this is the oligarch who paid Trump's campaign manager. And we found out today that while he was bribing Trump's campaign, he also bribed the FBI agent whose office said there were no significant ties between Trump and Russia. Again, guys, if you're mad about me saying he paid collusion, read the Republican-controlled Senate committee report. It details the collusion between Manafort and Deripaska. Public record. This guy is named Charles McGonigal, the former official. He was the special agent in charge of the FBI's counterintelligence division in New York. He retired a couple years ago, but he had supervised and participated in investigations of Russian oligarchs, including Deripaska. McGonagall's career as a top FBI official gave him access to classified information. He had the secret list of Russian prospects for sanctioning by the Office of Foreign Assets Control. That list included Deripaska, even before they put sanctions on him. And the federal prosecutors today said former agent McGonagall broke U.S. law by agreeing to help Oleg Deripaska, who was indicted again last year on sanctions charges, attempt to get off the sanctions list. And he did it because he promised he would investigate a rival oligarch. You know how Trump blackmailed Zelensky into announcing an investigation of his rival, Joe Biden? <laughs> well, <laughs> this FBI agent promised the Russian oligarch who was buying off Trump's campaign manager that he would investigate his rival, and he took money for it. It's a rare accusation against an FBI official, and it shows, my friends, the reach of Russia's oligarchs, and they can extend right into our halls of law enforcement. The FBI field office in New York, the same office obsessed with finding dirt against Hillary and was allegedly notoriously staffed with pro-Trump agents. At least one of them was on the take. This guy was running the FBI Trump Russia probe at the exact moment. The story at the most critical moment of the 2016 campaign was leaked to the New York Times, the section chief of cyber counterintelligence at FBI. When Russia was trying to help Trump win through hacking, was on an oligarch's payroll. This is the guy who said he found no link between Trump and Russia, and Russia was paying him while he was saying it. Now, again, (laughs) this forced Comey to open the FBI investigation of Hillary Clinton, and Anthony Weiner's wife, Huma Abedin, was engulfed in the scandal. Remember, she was the senior advisor to Hillary Clinton. The FBI found nothing, nothing new, 
but it still cost her the election. This is a rogue law enforcement officer in the FBI working for an oppositional nation, for a hostile foreign actor. Now, again, the vast majority of the FBI are great, but the details in this indictment, he provided FBI paraphernalia to the prime minister of Albania. He ate in Germany with the former defense minister of Bosnia. He got requests for meeting between foreign nationals and Nikki Haley at the U.N., I don't think we can link any of this directly to Donald Trump, but corruption is an airborne virus. This is the top FBI official in New York doing favors for the Russian billionaire who's a longtime BFF of Vladimir Putin for cash payments. Follow the Russian money, guys. Follow the Russian money. Robert Mueller wouldn't do it, <laughs> but we have to. Listen, this is this and Russian money affects both Democrats and Republicans. But Russia backed Trump. Russia hacked to try to help Trump. Russia hacked the RNC and the DNC, but only released the DNC emails. Trump won, and the Republican Party went from so anti-Putin to really the base of his power in our politics. That's the coup. The pro-Putin element of U.S. politics in the Republican Party. In 2018, eight Republican lawmakers celebrated the 4th of July for our country in Moscow. Richard Shelby of Alabama... Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, John Kennedy of Louisiana, Steve Daines of Montana, John Hoven of North Dakota, Jerry Moran of Kansas, John Thune of South Dakota, and Kay Granger, Congresswoman Kay Granger of Texas. That group went over for the 4th of July in Moscow the same time the Senate Intel Committee report came out, which found that Russia backed Trump during the election. So I, I, I have questions. I, I, I do. I don't pretend to be a journalist, but my God. I mean, this indictment of a former FBI official over his bribes from a Russian billionaire is a big deal. There have been so many well-timed pro-Trump, pro-Republican leaks coming out of the FBI field office in New York for years. My first question is, will this guy flip and give everyone else up? Because Merrick Garland, I, I know that whatever Joe Biden took from the White House as vice president and kept in his garage is really important. But please, I hope you've opened an investigation already. I mean, was it more than just this payment? Was it more than one person in the FBI field office of New York working for Putin to undermine our democracy? Was it more than one FBI agent trying to swing the election to a racist, bloated game show clown? This is the New York FBI. These are the same people that tricked Comey into reopening the Hillary email investigation less than two weeks before the election because they miraculously found duplicate emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop. So were the duplicate emails planted? Was this guy involved with that? When did he start taking bribes from the same guy who was bribing Trump's campaign manager? And will the mainstream media do any investigations into this or will it be forgotten by tomorrow? Would this arrest today have happened if Donald Trump had been reelected? And how does this connect to George Santos? Because, motherfucker, you know it does. You know, you, you know somehow George Santos is tied up in all of this. I don't know. And I'm hoping the story doesn't go away. And I know we're all sick of it. Russia, Russia, Russia. No one wants to hear it anymore. I get it. But one of the guys in charge of investigating the connections between Trump's campaign and the Russians, we now know is on the Russian payroll. A Russian stooge. The guy investigating Russia was taking money from them. This is how they infiltrate our government. This is how they infiltrate our law enforcement. The Russians got the FBI's cheap spy catcher in New York City. And just remember, when the New York Times reported the FBI saw no link between Trump and Russia a week before the 2016 election, the FBI agent who was heading up the investigation is the guy who just got arrested for taking bribes from Russia. 
And it's not the first corrupt FBI agent. Remember Robert Hansen? Can't forget him. He was the FBI chief special agent in charge of counterintelligence in the national office. He was feeding Russians copious amounts of intelligence for years. And it took 14 years to get him from 1987 up until his arrest in 2001. That at the time was the worst intelligence breach in American history. He was charged. He was convicted. Robert Hansen is now serving a life sentence for treason in the Supermax Federal Prison in Florence, Colorado. Let, let's not forget also, you want to talk corrupt FBI? J. Edgar Hoover. I mean, <laughs> the original G-Man. He ran a blackmailing syndicate on a massive scale that kept him in power through so many presidential terms because no one could fire him. He had dirt on everybody, politicians and celebrities and gay people, even though Hoover was gay. There's a long history of corruption finding its way into the FBI. But this guy, McGonagall, shows the incredible reach of Russian intel in our government at every level. I mean, they get up every morning, right? They try to find ways to sabotage our government, to corrupt our system. Republicans love it. They don't care at all. And corruption is going to be happening anywhere, right? We should expect corruption anywhere where people have power. That's why we need regulations. That's why we need investigations. So, yeah, for the same reason, I want to investigate Joe Biden bringing documents home as a vice president and investigate every fucking thing Trump did. There should be no federal employees. There should be no agencies that are above the law. It's time to open some investigations. But will the media care? <laughs> By the way, this happened in 2016. Joe Biden was still vice president when all this happened. I mean, maybe we can tell the media Joe Biden brought some of this info home as vice president and then they'll care. In the meantime, we'll stay on the story. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens to former agent McGonagall. I mean, he knows plenty. And what if they get it out of him? What if he sings? What if he shares information and names names to save his own skin? Well, if that's true, Mr. McGonagall, um, if you find yourself on a high floor, avoid windows. And uh, you might want to make your own tea for a while, knowing what we know about how Vladimir solves his problems. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. I am so thrilled to welcome this next guest back to the Love Fest. You know, guys already know this, but um, four of the five justices who overturned Roe v. Wade were appointed by presidents. The majority of U.S. voters had voted against, and yet they still got the White House. Four out of five Supreme Court justices. Uh, I'm sorry, five out of six, I should say, five out of six who voted to overturn Roe v. Wade were appointed by presidents the majority voted against. And the sixth was appointed by a president who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. The repeal of Roe v. Wade in no way represents the will of the citizens or the will 
of the voters. And this should have been this weekend, the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, but the Supreme Court has destroyed it. The good news is people are motivated. You know it from Virginia to Kansas, and we are seeing a level of activism that is so inspiring. And one of the leaders is and has always been the great Liz Winstead, one of my favorite comedians, one of my favorite people, co-creator of The Daily Show. She was head writer. She um, does the great feminist buzzkill uh, podcast with some great live shows as well. Liz founded and is CCO of Abortion Access Front, AFF, and they had a great campaign for the anniversary, but I'll let her explain it. Liz Winstead, Happy New Year and welcome back. Happy New Year, John. How are you? You know, I've been thinking about you for many reasons, but um, losing David Crosby um, and I had so many great memories of hearing him on your show and having him just be incredible and like, you know, children of a certain age as we are, um, David Crosby, CSNY, um, all of that just had, it was just, I, I just thought of you so hard. Going, going into. I, I saw you tweeted some lovely stuff about about him. I, I'm actually in L.A. now, and I was hoping to. I was I was planning on driving up to to hang out with him and his wife. And uh, I mean, it was you know, it's not sudden. I guess David certainly has put some mileage on, but uh, it's a terrible loss. He did this show a, a lot, especially during the yes. pandemic. And uh, and a, the two of you guy. together, it was just like anytime. I mean, honoring people who really ground broke for all of us and. You know, he got a whole new audience partially because of how much you had him on just reminding people of the wisdom of our elders. It's crucial. Well, thank you. He's, you know, he's and he was a guy who had a lot of wisdom and also was very happy to talk about uh, the fuck ups of his life and gave a lot of Mm -hmm. inspiration to people who struggled with addiction. And one time, Liz, we did a show right after Trump was elected at Caroline's with Judy and and, uh, Judah. And I I got Rosie to come and be on stage with me. And I got Crosby to leave the Fallon show and walk over. And I got Crosby on stage. And uh, he didn't do a set, but he sat with me on stools on stage and just was a great raconteur, had the crowd roaring, said Donald Trump has never made a woman come in her life. And they gave him a standing ovation. I mean, he he could have been a stand-up if he wanted to. He was just a great- I mean, so funny, naturally hilarious. And he was so funny on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, ferocious. And I'm I'm mad he's not here because I miss his voice. Um, you know, I, I want all the artists I admire to be as outspoken as Springsteen. You know, I, I want to see Paul McCartney and Bob Dylan get their hands dirty and fight for some causes beyond popularity and selling more tickets. Mm-hmm. But Crosby was a guy who was always willing, like very few artists. Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, I mean, Neil Young is one, but Crosby was always willing to sacrifice popularity for what he believed. And you know, look, he was outraged over what happened to Roe v. Wade as well. He was a, a, a champion right. of women's rights. Well, and I have to say, too, John, like the interesting thing about it is once you're an artist who actually does it, you realize that you're just weeding out the herd. You're getting new new audience, losing the people who, yeah. you know, tell you shut up and sing, t- shut up and tell jokes or whatever. It's like you shut up and step up. How about that? You know, because I personally want to bring joy to people who are cognizant of what's happening, making personal commitments to making the world a better place. And, and that's who I want to, that's who I want to entertain. You know, I'm not interested in having a big wide audience that, that doesn't feel that is, doesn't want to feel uncomfortable. That's Ron DeSantis job. Apparently, exactly. discomfort you know, is when, life. 
you know, this comfort is, how do you know what comfort is if you have nothing to compare it to? How are you, do you grow as a person if you don't experience discomfort and your own, like you just said, David Crosby brought his fuck ups, brought his joys, brought his everything. Cause that's what life is. It's a series of all those things that you have to experience to be whole and good. And, you know, I'm, I'm the first to say your comfort zone will freaking kill you. Okay. But, yes. but when you talk about playing to a big crowd, the irony in this whole conversation, the irony in, in this whole uphill battle is that women's reproductive freedoms are supported by the majority of Americans. And it's not even close. Uh, women's mm-hmm. reproductive freedoms are supported by the majority of Christians because mm-hmm. the Bible is not against abortion. And a few months back, we did a great show over the summer in Brooklyn. Uh, David Cross, a bunch of male comics, all men standing up for Roe v. Wade. It was right after the opinion had been leaked and we were waiting mm-hmm. for the hour that they would actually bring down the Dobbs verdict. Liz, since then, we've seen, I mean, Kansas being heroes in a special election that never should have gone the way of women's rights. We are seeing people push back in Virginia thanks to the election Kentucky. last week in Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, how, Michigan. How, how good do you feel about the pushback you know we're seeing? It's so great. But I have to tell your listeners, these sneaky fuckers. So we've seen over and over and over, right? We saw the midterms, we saw all that happen. States like Ohio, right? Um, Ohio is one of the worst places on the planet for access to reproductive care and abortion rights. So Ohio got wind that Ohio, uh, the citizens of Ohio wanted to go the way of Kansas and Michigan and do a ballot initiative. Mm -hmm. So the Ohio legislature is trying to pass a law that says you have to get 60% of the vote to pass a ballot initiative. So every time we see a victory, we can't even take a breath, no naps, no nothing, because they are always trying to find ways to subvert the will of the people. That's it. All the time. That's it. And and it is a very motivated minority and a very Mm -hmm. organized minority. The status quo usually is a minority and it's usually more organized. But I mean, my God. And might I add unfuckable minority? Of course. Of course. (laughs) Uh, And again, ladies, please don't ever have sex with men who would take your rights away. Please don't have sex with men who think it's okay. You have fewer rights than your mothers and grandmothers. There's no orgasm that good. There's no orgasm that trumps. For for (laughs) me, like all the... All the faith I lost in, in America when it happened has been restored by seeing how outraged people are. The, the, the yeah. turnout the Democrats got in 2022, Liz, freaking Pope Francis literally defrocked the most Frank stridently Pavone. anti-abortion yes. priest in the United States, Frank Pavone, who's not just anti-abortion. He's a hater and a liar and a trumper. And Francis gave Jesus a Christmas gift and kicked him out of the priesthood. I mean, these little victories well, are happening everywhere. And just so people can understand Frank Pavone's depravity, Frank Pavone um, stands outside of abortion clinics 24-7, 365, harassing and shaming and harming people going in for care. But Frank Pavone's greatest hit was that he held a mass for Donald Trump. And on the altar of that mass had a stolen fetus from we don't know where but on the altar was serving up a fetus that he had stolen from some clinic 
someplace. Now that is some next level garbage. I'll tell you, next level garbage is the fact that that's not going to hurt his employment, that Frank Pavone will probably have a job at Fox News or at One America or one of these godforsaken hellholes in no time, because, again, they don't care what's actually in the Bible. I don't want to go off on that tangent. I want to celebrate what Abortion Accents Front is doing, because you guys, for the Row 50 anniversary weekend, you came up with a hashtag, send in the gowns. And when yes. I first heard about it, I didn't understand. And then I saw, oh, my God, Margaret Cho and Beth Stelling and some of my favorite <laughs> funny people are involved in this. How, so, I want you yeah. to set it up, Liz, because these videos were crazy smart. So what we did was, you know, in looking at where all these laws are being passed and they're being passed in state houses. Um, and every time any author of one of these anti-abortion bills or co-sponsors or loudmouths about it. They're not doctors. They're saying shit that has been medically disproven, harmful things. So we thought, you know what? If they're going to act like doctors, then we are going to act like patients and treat them like doctors, right? And so by asking the questions that no one ever puts to them, right? Things that hold them accountable for the ramifications of these laws. You know, when you when they try to say things like, you know, well, we will will give you abortions um, for the exception to for the health of the mother. They don't define what that means. And Mm -hmm. as we have seen, people have had almost died bleeding out, traveling to countries. Doctors are consulting lawyers before they treat patients or won't treat them at all. That's right. It's terrible. So we got activists and just regular folks from around the country and started this campaign where people were calling the offices of these politicians Mm -hmm. and making doctor's appointments and and listing and asking medical questions. Things like, if I start hemorrhaging at Walmart, do I call your after hours line? Because I'm assuming you're my gynecologist now because you seem to know more than my gynecologist. Um, And people would just bring up their own personal gynecological problems. I've had some problem pregnancies where I had to terminate pregnancies early. Um, Mm -hmm. At what point would you honor my life or would I have to consult? Like, and it was really smart. And then Margaret Cho, Beth Stelling offered up their Instagram pages That's right. So that activists who wanted to actually show up at these politicians offices in Tennessee and in Ohio, they showed up in exam gowns with pamphlets (laughs) with a patient intake and just sat in the office and were like, I'm here for my appointment. You clearly know more than my doctor. Um, Can you please tell me at what point um, I can do this? Um, What are your qualifications? You know, what what kind of things do you offer here? Is there is there a hospital room here that I come to? Where do I go? Like and, and they're in a congressman's was, office. Yes. And what was so great about this. it was in every call and every visit without irony. And this is what we really wanted to hit the point home without irony. The legislative aide who is not a just like innocent worker, they are working for this person because they believe what this person believes. Right. Every single person was like, oh, he's not a doctor. This isn't a doctor's office. We don't have medical care here. And it's like, isn't that the point? 
So That's getting the them on record um, to be annoyed that people would walk into their office and ask the poignant questions about the ramifications of exactly. these people dispensing medical care, um, it really hit the point home. And so what we're asking people to do is um, we, we kicked it off to sort of raise awareness about it. Um, we have scripts. If you um, if you contact info at aafront.org, you can get some scripts. We'll help coach you how to do it. You can call your own rep, state representative. You can show up with your friends if you want and challenge them about their medical care. We really want to hold them accountable and, and film also, it. Yeah, and film it and then post it on on social because in the wake of the insurrection, I think it's crucial that we reinvent what it means to go to these houses and you know your state house congress in a peaceful way and mm -hmm. do peaceful protesting and get in good trouble because the people who stormed the capitol sort of put everybody on pause right it's like yeah. oh how do i now go and challenge my representatives and it's mm -hmm. like in a myriad of ways that does not involve breaking windows or coming armed or threatening to harm anyone exactly but simply to hold their actions accountable. That's all you're talking about. Now, now, now I, have so much about. This, I have so much. This, I was enjoying watching the videos today while I was on the flight to L.A. And, and because we're talking about a bunch of fucking liberals, fucking liberals will now be thinking, well, these poor people in the offices were just doing a job. They're in the middle, man. They're not the ones in power, blah, blah, blah. Let me assure you, fucking liberals, no one's ever rude to the people in the office. They go in there to make a point. But there's Liz, there's zero hostility in this. It's a great zero. moral publicity stunt. And no one's ever being unkind in any way to these Republican middlemen that are receiving them. But also, this is not the customer service person at the airline who did not sign. This is Correct. a person who took who the job to be the first line of somebody who they wholly sign on to their philosophy, have supported it, co-signed on it, and are and their salaries are paid for by all of us. That's so it. they're not they innocent in this. There's no innocence sitting in an office of any representative who oh, is yeah. creating oppression for a nation of people. Liz, I, I agree. I've also got to ask if you had a good time, um, if you enjoyed watching the uh, the March for Life over the weekend. Uh, oh. Now that suddenly the Republican Party has blown a giant hole in their biggest fundraising racket, um, March for Life is going to have a tougher time getting bigger crowds. They're going to have to uh, attract a lot more very interesting types of uh, pro-life well, Christians, aren't they? You know, the thing about it, and, you know, I wrote a big op-ed with the wonderful Renee Bracey Sherman, another activist within the movement last year, about the intersections of white supremacy and the March for Life. And um, just to be clear, the March for Life purports that it is this sort of mainstream, air quoting all over the place, pro-life mm -hmm. organization. Um, when last year they had all of the pro-life pro Congress people, the insurrectionists, your Marjorie Taylor Greens, on mm -hmm. stage with them. The, the priest that we spoke of earlier, Frank Pavone, hosts a rally at the Supreme Court every year with the March for Life. They have had known convicted um, child sex uh, pornography traffickers yep. on their stage speaking. A, a gentleman named Ruben Vera Stigway, 
who was a speaker at the 2014 March for Life, um, they are nothing but a, an incubator for white supremacy, anti-LGBTQ stuff, yeah. promoting the, the 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 you know anti-birth control. That's they it. are there, right? And so this year at the March for Life, I was literally I'm sickened every year, but one of the speakers this year, John, and it was unbelievably heartbreaking to bragged and gave props to a woman who died instead of having a safe legal abortion calling her brave for making the decision to die so so that she could give birth to a child that we don't know whether or not that child will live very long outside of the womb yeah and so to pat yourself and take a victory lap for killing women, for having women make the decision to die because there is no other decision. That's right. Is truly what they define as moral. And that is heartbreaking and terrible. And you're right. What happens when everyone says this analogy, but it's true when the dog catches the car, right? And that is what has happened. And so, exactly. and so the, the people that they bring in now are next level people. As we've looked at the news this week, we've mm-hmm. seen the Alabama attorney general saying, mm-hmm. even though they have some of the harshest, you cannot have an abortion in Alabama. They're one of the 13 states that banned it outright. They carved out a law that said you cannot jail someone for having an abortion. But Alabama does have a law, it's called the Chemical Endangerment Act, which was designed to protect children from being in meth houses, right? To protect children from really harmful situations like that. The to attorney protect actual general, children, children we're talking Actual about. children who are born. Yes. The yes. Attorney General of Alabama said last week, we're going to use that law to prosecute people who take the yep. abortion bill and say yep. that that's chemical endangerment, right? The state of Arkansas today just said they're going to seek execution for people who have abortions. They're putting that law that's right. forward. They're so the pro-life, of, they might have to fucking kill people, Liz. The state of Idaho has said, and the Supreme Court has co-signed, that in the exceptions for rape and incest in Idaho, if the pregnancy is in the second trimester, they they want the doctors to either perform a C-section mm-hmm. or force a vaginal trans I'm going to say transaction yeah to see if they can save a, a fetus yeah yeah and we all know this is what happening. this is going to do yeah and and we all know that this is going to lead to a greater greater turnout for election day than Joe Biden could achieve on his best day. Uh, Liz, right. you are a hero and, for and keeping a laser focus on all the Democrats who were like, abortion's a wedge issue. Abortion's not no. on the ballot. You know what? It's always on the ballot. Yeah. And Republicans vote for women's rights, too. They just don't admit it. Liz, thank 100%. you so much for joining us. What's the best way for people to support Abortion Access Front? Go to uh, follow us on all the socials at Abortion Front. Please subscribe to our podcast. It's on every Friday and get all the info. Feminist Feminist Buzzkills Live. Fantastic. And donate aafront.org. Liz, thank you so much. We'll see you very soon. We'll be right back with your calls on progress. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rhonda Handsome is here, and I don't like to keep Miss Handsome waiting. She's one of the funniest players in the game. Rhonda classes the joint up here every Monday night. We are always thrilled. You know, Rhonda's open for, my God, Aretha Franklin. Rhonda's open for Diana Ross. Rhonda's open for some of the greatest artists in the game. Anita Baker as well. She does great solo shows, and you can catch her on Politipod, available on SoundCloud. It's Tall, Dark, and Handsome Mondays with Miss Rhonda Handsome. I'm black, y'all. Hi, Rhonda. Good to see you. It's been a long time. Yes, it has been, but I'm delighted to be back here with you and your incredible audience. Now, they're not that good, Rhonda. Let's let's put away the grease gun. <laughs> now, now, last week we had Dr. King Day, so we weren't here on Monday. But the week before, two weeks ago tonight, uh, you, you weren't with us and we heard you weren't feeling well. What happened? Well, I got a one-two punch, uh, John. I got COVID and hepatitis A, which was not fun at all. It really wasn't fun. Um, I had um, overwhelming nausea and some more particular uh, symptoms that, that uh, unfortunately, some of the COVID and, and hepatitis A symptoms overlapped. But uh, we finally figured out what was going on with me. I spent overnight in Mount Sinai. Uh, oh, my God, uh, Rhonda, so, I didn't know it was this bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, but I but the thing was, everyone at Mount Sinai was wonderful to me, and they they let me know that they planned on going on strike on Monday, so I I got out of there before that happened, and um, and I'm I'm well on the mend. I'm well on the mend, and I'm, I'm glad that I was not in pain. I had no um, breathing. I had no breathing issues but it was it was very unpleasant it was very rough and uh i'm glad to be on the other side of it and and to be with you and your very special riffraff tonight <laughs> well thank you you look great are, are you are you feeling okay i'm feeling wonderful people i got a lot of love i mean people were sending me uh chicken soup i have like gallons of chicken soup and love and flowers and texts and um good vibes and prayers and uh they all worked they all worked that's great yeah well Rhonda, i I, i'm glad you're here because i gotta i gotta ask you about something that uh that i i just heard about um now obviously there's a lot going on with this ridiculous uh, uh false equivalency of Joe Biden's vice presidential documents being anything close to Trump's criminality and lies. Uh, we've got George Santos with the lies that never end. We have this New York FBI field office, which did everything they could to get Donald Trump elected president. Now we know the same agent running their counter intel, the same agent who was <laughs> investigating the bribes, was taking bribes from Russia. 
All of that, that pales in what the fuckery to news that now people are trying to cancel Aretha Franklin over a song she didn't even write. John, that's the thing I said. You have so much information and experience in the world of music. It's almost like an encyclopedia, your your uh, knowledge and appreciation. And I said, there's there's I don't understand. I, I, this. I, I, I almost want to warn our listeners before we get into what this story is, because of all the fucked up fuckery we've covered so far, uh, this is something that could unite conservatives and liberals. This is something that is um, uh, uh, so well-intentioned but so damn wacky that um, I, I, I just, I, 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 I'll let you explain it. Well, <laughs> I, I, I can explain it. First thing, like you just said, Aretha Franklin did not write this song. Yes. Uh, it was written by Carol King. I don't know where people stand on her. I think she's written a couple of nice songs. I, I, no one's I trying to cancel any, Carol King today. Uh, I, I don't have anything against her. Uh, But the thing is, Bonnie Tyler has done this song. Celine Dion has done this song. Mm -hmm. Kelly Clarkson has done this song. Adele has done this song. And that's just a few of the people who have done this song. And I really feel, unless someone can convince me of something different, that this is a racist attack on black women. Thank you, because, yeah, because Carol King's original version is wonderful. And I, 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 as I go through the Internet, I, I just hear and again, let's let's this is a transgender issue story. And, and we always stand up for trans rights. I'm always there. Uh, I've learned a lot. I'm someone who's grown a lot and I'm learning a lot. But when I found out that the, the Transcultural Mindfulness Alliance said that the song Aretha Franklin's 1968 song Natural Woman perpetuates multiple harmful anti-trans stereotypes. There is no such thing as a natural woman. This song has helped inspire acts of harm against transgender women. We request it is removed from Spotify and Apple Music. You know what? They they found my line, Rhonda. They found my line. <laughs> John, I have seen videos of black women being punched in the head by police over uh, cheese at a fast food restaurant. Uh, we know Sandra Bland's horrible story. Uh, I mean, uh, black women are being insulted every day uh, and and physically harmed. And I feel like this move is really a, t- a racist attack supporting, negating the viability and right to life of black women. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, Carol King, God bless her, wrote the song. But the official request is to take down that it's a Aretha Franklin song and, and to take it down. Now, again, uh, I don't know if this is just something that's being blown out of proportion and if it's not like, you know, uh, uh, that serious. But, boy, it's it's. Black Twitter's having a day over this. If if it's if it's a hoax, if it's satire, if it's a joke, it's not funny. Black women are endangered here. We go up missing uh, every day all, all over the United States. Uh, we are we are disrespected in in corporate. I mean, I mean, it's unbelievable. Our natural hair isn't even allowed to grow out of our heads uh, and and for for what it is. And then to pull something like this uh, uh, regarding the queen of soul. I mean, it, it, it 
make it make sense, John. Well, okay. So, so let, me, let, let me make it sense because maybe, just maybe, it's all a fraud because this this account, the, the TCMA, this Twitter account only began in January of 2023. Now, I went to public school. I'm not the swiftest cat, but I think that uh, means it's very, very new. <laughs> and um, there's already people saying that this organization doesn't really exist. And the account seems to be just a transphobic account that is doing a fake pro-transgender rights uh, uh, account to try to push propaganda to demonize the trans community. So literally, they're engaging in cancel culture and racism to try to cancel transgender people. (laughs) That's the theory that I have right now, that they're actually doing this to try to turn people against trans people because divide and conquer as we know in the history of this country has been pretty effective it it is very effective uh it's it's a tremendous tool and john we we are at a time in 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 the world where it's a tinderbox i mean people are marching in the streets all over the world That's right. uh, fires are being set riots are going on constantly and we have mass shootings we've had more mass shootings this year than we've had days john preach exactly right exactly right and and by the way let me just also slip in here uh, aretha franklin was a friend to the lgbt community in case anyone has any doubts about this aretha franklin came to see me and stephanie miller when we played in detroit and she she bought her own tickets 11 of them like aretha was an ally carol king is an ally and songs like do right women songs like 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 think have been all about empowerment for marginalized people for decades. I mean, Aretha's sister was gay, wasn't she? Like, this is just, I, I, I want to just believe that this is just a, 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 a hoax because it's just too freaking stupid to be anything else. Well, that's what I I hope that it is a sick joke. And, and that's another thing, an issue that I have uh, going on now, you know, with people thinking sick jokes are funny. I mean, with when we had the dead celebrity thing going on, and these right. these um, um, middle school kids doing this asphyxiation blackout of challenges. I mean, all of these things are geared towards shifting the sand, making us feel um, that nothing is really important or permanent in this world. Yes. A yes. joke like this has repercussions that are unbelievably horrible, uh, especially for black women who are being killed and missing, I mean, every single day. And uh, and if it's a joke, whoever it is needs to uh, come clean about it and mm. go on a, uh, a six-month apology tour and contribute to the foundation for uh, reparations for black people. Well, I, and I would love that to happen, but I, I don't think it's a joke. I, I think it's more gaslighting and online fuckery. I think it's Trumpism, Rhonda. I think it's just flooding the zone with chaos. That's what Donald Trump does. And this is what Russia does as well. It's all designed to get us fighting each other. So many of these accounts that Elon Musk has just opened the floodgates are all about designed to just get huge outrage, offend people, attack people, and then stimulate online engagement. So, I mean, considering this account just began now, it's even scarier than thinking that there's some motherfucker so dumb they would try to cancel Aretha Franklin to think that this is another example of what is being done to our culture because hate gets clicks and hate gives people power. Yeah, that was Steve Bannon's handbook. Uh, and, That's it. You nailed uh, it. 
And he, uh, combined with Trump, really sprang forth this uncontrollable amount of discord and uh, divisiveness uh, without any kind of patina of decorum, of courtesy, uh, any without any kind Preach. of apology. Preach. I agree. Do you want to talk to some of our riffraff, Rhonda? Some of the evil army of the night want to weigh in. I have missed them terribly, John. Please, yes. Thank you so much. Let's go to Mitch in Kent State. Welcome. You're on Sirius XM. Hey, John. Hi. First of all, Liz Wednesday, I meant to tell you, so Liz Wednesday, I got to meet her in 2016, uh, her and Alonzo Bowden. At, uh, I remember. Republican Show in Cleveland that I, that, I, that I had to drop out of, right? You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I think your mom was sick at the time, but uh, but still, right. it, was, it was just great to meet her and, and Alonzo both. But uh, yeah, it, um, she's uh, that's just a brilliant move, just a brilliant move that they uh, they've done. Rhonda, um, what what Liz what Liz is doing with her abortion access front? She got some comedians like Margaret Cho and Beth Stelling to call abortion clinic to call um, the offices of Republican politicians who pretend they're doctors and ask medical advice about uh, their pregnancy problems. And then Margaret went up to a, to one um, congressman's office wearing a hospital gown. And all these women wore these gowns for this hashtag, send in the gowns, to show up as a protest to the offices of anti-abortion rights politicians to ask medical advice since these politicians pretend they're doctors. It's yeah. really brilliant. Go ahead. Yes. Ron, by the way, Rhonda, so good to hear you. I'm sorry, Rhonda. How you doing, Rhonda? I'm great, and it's good to hear you, Mitch. Thank you. Yeah, so what's really on your mind tonight, Mitch? I'm glad, glad, you're, I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, John, uh, on um, Santos, I think he should be the poster child of the GOP. I think Me he too. should stay. I, you know, I know it's taken a vote away, but uh, the longer he's in, the more it, uh, it, it, it shines a light on what frauds these people are. And, uh, you know, if not him, you know, the MTG and all the rest. Because they mm-hmm. don't know what the fuck they're doing, and I just—it's uh, just going to expose them more and more. And I think it's yeah. just—it's a, it, a great promotion, if you ask me. It's a great promotion. Mitch, did you hear yeah. that he, he admitted that he's—he's he's, uh, actually Catholic and then lying for the papacy? No, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't end. It just doesn't end. No, it, I mean it's—it's—it's it's, it's getting weird. Can I pl- can I play a little clip? Because here, here is uh, Congressman George Santos earlier today being peppered with questions about his many lies, like his poor mom. Uh, and, and, you know, his mom has left us. And that's really a tragedy because she did so much to get women the vote. And she she fought in Iwo Jima on D-Day. Uh, here is George Santos today. Congressman, was your mother at the World Trade Center on Guys, 9-11? Look, look, this isn't how you conduct an, uh, an interview. Was your mother at the World Trade Center on 9-11? Was your mother in the World Trade Center on 9-11? Where was your mother on 9-11? Where was your mother on 9-11? Where was your mother on 9-11? That guy's job is safe, Rhonda. That guy, his his mother wasn't even in the United States on 9-11, but he said she was, and he blamed the attack on his mother's death 16 years later. And Kevin McCarthy is going to keep him in Congress. I think it's perfect. I agree with Mitch. Please, please, the more he lied about 9-11 and the Holocaust, let the Republicans own him. Well, John, I, it, it, I, I don't disagree, but it's, it really feels like 
Trumpism has just taken hold and is running rampant now. I mean, this this guy lies. I thought Trump was a, a champion liar. This guy, this guy is is he's above and beyond. He's above and well, beyond. I don't know. I mean, Trump Trump never faced consequences for his lies at all. This guy appears that maybe he will. I mean, maybe not in the short term. Maybe not the way we expect. But Donald Trump got away with it. Do you think? This guy's going to get away with it? Whether he eventually gets away with it or not, I feel like the fact that he got this far without being stopped by any kind of opposition does mm. not bode well for the what's little integrity is left of, of the American uh, leg legislators, the political system and, and and democracy. That's right. And I'm qualified to talk about that because I have very little integrity. Mitch, I'll give you the last word. No, I, 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 I don't agree with Ron. But, you know, the thing is, this, it's just, a, it's just a, a, it's an exposure. It's an it's a, a exposure to show what fools and what uh, uh, numbnuts they are, because they have no idea. They have no fucking idea how this country is run. All they do is pretend. They pretend, yeah. and they showboat, and they, and they, uh, they got their, uh, their uh, uh, megahorn you know, blasting shit that, that uh, they don't have no knowledge of. And I think it's just, it's, it's Trump, Trump times 100. But I love That's it because right. it's, it's coming back to face them. It's going to come back to bite them. And, Man, uh, they pissed it, off Mitch I, now. Now shit's gotten real. Mitch, <laughs> I, I haven't heard Mitch swear this much in a long time. I haven't heard Mitch swear this much uh, since Ann Murray died. I mean, this is really heavy. <laughs> But uh, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, it's like Mad Magazine, John. It's like Mad Magazine. I, you know, it's just, it's so ridiculous. But uh, anyway, <laughs> well, love to you all. Ron, thanks, take Mitch. care of yourself. And again, good to hear you. And thanks again, John. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Hey, can I just play? I want to play one more clip really quick because I, now yes. I'm in a George Santos kick. This is a really quick. They also wanted to know today, Rhonda, about his, uh, his time in Brazil. Congressman, oh. were, were you ever a drag queen, queen, queen in Brazil? <laughs> no, I was not a drag queen in Brazil, guys. I was young and I had fun at a festival. Sue me for having a life. That sounds like he was a drag queen in Brazil right there. <laughs> well, when he wasn't uh, writing bogus checks, I think, you know, yeah. I, I, I can't. Um, he must. Maybe he was writing the checks to buy makeup and wigs and boas. But uh... I, I think maybe he was a drag princess, but he never got the full coronation <laughs> as queen. That's what it sounds like. Rhonda, can you stay with us until uh, after the break? Absolutely, John. Well, Absolutely. tonight. We are doubling up and having our friend Natalia Reagan join us for another edition of Shit You Can't Say. And I want you here for it because it's a fun segment. Every week, Natalia joins us and she cracks a liberal whip to tell us uh, what the new shit that people are not allowed to say anymore that we've been doing. So we will be canceling a term in just a minute. Can you stick around, Rhonda? Fabulous. Yes. We'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748. This is SiriusXM Progress. Don't go away. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. 
And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. I'm John Fugelsang on Series 6 in Progress, joined by the sublime Rhonda Handsome. Happy Rhonda, to wasn't be here. It's so great to have you. I thought it wasn't it great when uh, George Santos spoke at the Million Man March. I thought that was a, another great moment. Um, I'm glad you're with us, Rhonda, because uh, we are blessed to have uh, our friend Natalia Reagan, who you know, we've done Lapping Liberally together, uh, yes, join have. us for her wonderful segment where, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to come out and say it. Natalia's really become a professional scold. She's here to be a liberal cop. Uh, she gets her orders every morning from the, the Streisand uh, compound and comes over here and scolds <laughs> liberals and, and, and normal people by telling them that they're all bigoted and there's words we've been saying all our life that we can't say anymore. She'd cancel Christmas if she could. Now, now you people know Natalia used to be a nice person before she began beating us all up. Uh, she's an anthropologist, a primatologist, an actor, a writer. You might know her as as an all-star host for Neil deGrasse Tyson's Star Talk. But it's time now for another installment of Shit You Can't Say. Rhonda, prepare yourself. Natalia, welcome back. Gird your loins, folks. Gird your loins. Uh, yeah, I'm a professional fun sponge now. Uh, this week, we're covering Cakewalk. Now, Cakewalk... Cakewalk. Now, Cake... That's cakewalk. I always just thought was, was something that's really easy to do, right? You, right. It, it's no. a cakewalk. You you pulled it off easily. What could possibly have any negative connotations there? Well, do you know where cakewalk comes from, <laughs> Rhonda? Do you? Yeah, everything comes down to racism, John. You got to <laughs> figure this out. I, I, I'm really and and I thank you, Natalia, for doing this. But it, it always amazes me when white people don't realize that everything comes down to racism. But I, oh, leave I know, it to you, my darling. Yeah, well, no, it's true. I. And usually, yeah. usually lately, it's usually been racism uh, and terms applied to indigenous people. We've, we've, we've found lots of expressions uh, sure. that are that once were ferociously negative towards a group that really doesn't have the wherewithal to defend themselves right now. But cakewalk, that's that 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 has problematic origins that have nothing to do with the natives, does it? No, uh, I mean, they were indigenous to a place that we took them from. But this was a uh, dance that was done in pre-Civil War times by slaves. And it was essentially a competition. It was a, it was a prize walk. It was a walk that was done. They would dress up, sometimes wearing hand-me-downs from plantation owners and do this very stylized dance, almost as if they were mocking the slave owners. And I would, I mean... I don't know. I feel like it's almost like a history of the world part one moment where I feel like, you know, they're, they're in on the joke, making fun of the plantation owners, but they're too dumb to figure it out. But they are competing for cake, a piece of what, cake. Was it like a, a square dance kind of thing? It was done in a square and the males were in the uh, the, on the guys were on the inside. Women were on the outside. But um, okay. it wasn't necessarily a square dance. It was more of a very stylized 
marching, almost like prancing. Um, but there's been different uh, uh, writings about what it was like. Uh, one um, fellow basically was talking about how his grandparents said that it was they had to pl place buckets of water on their head and whoever didn't spill the most water would win the piece of cake. But then there's oh the version God. where it's actually done as a very stylized dance. And it wasn't so much about it being easy the moves looked like they were with, done with ease. So that's where it comes from, that idea that it's easy, uh, not so much as, you know, it was easy to actually win the piece of cake. I have so many questions. I mean, I... I There's more to I say, but a, I wanted to give a, a well, breather. <laughs> well, this was, a, this was a feature of minstrel shows, right? This was white people paying, uh, or white people just for their amusement, watching human property have to have to do these feats without spilling water all over themselves or, or, sure. or well, just to jump through hoops per se. So post emancipation, it was almost as if, um, you know, the, the former slaves or those that were descendants of them were kind of took control of it and turned it into a minstrel show for the, the pleasure of audiences, a majority of which were probably white. And some even uh, did them, it turned into kind of a vaudeville act, which some African-American performers actually wore blackface, even though they already were african-american so yeah. it, there's a really uh unfortunate problematic history there um it was also so popular that it ended up at the um uh, the world fair in paris and different uh ragtime uh, just uh, scott joplin i believe has a song in which it's mentioned in the song so it became mm -hmm. kind of part of american you know americana this sort of idea of a cakewalk but it has a pretty problematic history well what's fascinating to me is like so much that has just been uh appropriated and stolen from black people is that it originally was actually mocking their uh their their That's masters it. and former masters and then you know somehow it, it gets twisted into the mainstream and and then black people end up having to perform it in blackface. You know, it it really is uh, amazing the, uh, the the way America is able. I mean, I remember, John, when I uh, when I was still coming into the studio and I told you you had like one more time to use the term woke. I don't know if you remember that, but I, yeah, I do remember I, that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's OK, because that 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 term was culturally appropriated, too, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And uh, and Natalia, you know, is is really bringing up another one of those situations where we we can't have anything. <laughs> we can't have anything without it being stolen right out from under us and and monetized. <laughs> yeah. And that's I mean, that that's I think the most d disturbing fact is that a lot of white people are benefiting on the shoulders of you know black people that have suffered for years for doing the same you know whether it's hairstyles like, makeup yeah. clothing that they've been macklemore <laughs> we're all just talking yeah, about macklemore well, that's all it is or that's just you know young women going to school with certain hairstyles you know it, you if a white woman went or a white girl went to school with similar hairstyles you know it, it was not even you know nobody batted an eye you know, and this is the kind Glad of stuff you brought that up, Natalia, because um, our natural hair, uh, many of us actually have can sometimes have several different textures of hair at one time and uh, human resources and dress codes for corporations, uh, banks and have made it um, a big deal about the way black women wore their hair naturally. And right. it has come out that 
when we are forced to straighten our hair, we are exposing ourselves to cancerous chemicals, which uh, also cause fibroids and, um, and, and lead to, to long-term illnesses because mm-hmm. we are trying right. to literally oh, straighten ourselves into uh, a, a, a level and, and of beauty that has that's nothing right. to do with our naturalness. No, that's and right. that's, I mean, I didn't know about the, I mean, because that's, I have a lot of friends that have issues with fibroids, and I know that that is problematic in African-American women, and to have that on top of it to straighten one's hair, that that's an issue. No, it's, it, it, racism kills, it hurts at but, but, you know, every, level, an example, every level, every level. This is an example, though, of how, we, you know, when we talk about separating racism from bigotry and how the racism just gets baked into our culture and we grow up with these words and expressions that we've never examined the origins of, which is why I, I love this uh, segment when you're not making me feel like a guilty white liberal <laughs> cis male. Um, now, now, here's my question. I know that, that yeah. web, uh, Oxford English Dictionary says the word cakewalk began to take off in the 1870s when it began being used to describe something that was really easy, right? It was a cakewalk. And I know that they actually did a cakewalk show at Madison Square Garden in New York City in 1892. They had cakewalk championships held at the garden. But Natalia, is this also where we get the expression takes the cake? Takes the cake, a piece of cake, all the cake. It all comes from this. <laughs> yes, it, it, this is this is where it comes from. And so, I mean, even I growing up, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley and we used to have a cakewalk. It was, but it was done, and this is a different type of cakewalk where it's done like musical chairs where they play music, and when it stops, you have to find a space, and if you don't have the space, you're out. But whoever wins gets the cake. And that was something I grew up with as a kid that I didn't, I had no idea that, you know, the, the deep roots come from a, a very, uh, you know, disturbing part of time in our history. Well, it's our history yeah. is, I think, continuously disturbing, but for different reasons. There you go, Natalia. It is there continuously disturbing. I mean, even for me. Uh, I, I actually um, posted on TikTok that uh, I I'm from I grew up in the previous century and I watched things like Leave It to Beaver and uh, mm-hmm. the Donna Reed show. Mm-hmm. And I at one point uh, at on one of the shows, they said, well, you know, living in Levittown. And I realized that the reason I didn't see black people on these fictional shows was because the fictional shows were set in real suburbs that had racial covenants. Wow. Oh God. Where yeah. you, wow. you could not sell by lease or rent to black people. And, and I'm going, Oh, so that's the reason why, <laughs> you know, the, the white picket fences had, had no black people walking down the that's streets right. by them that's right. because that's right. there were racial covenants set in these, in, in all of these towns. I mean, and I, I never even understood. I mean, I was a, a pretty grown and, and, and mature before I realized that seeing black babies in swamps with alligators behind them wasn't just a very stupid marketing plan, but it was actually based on truth that that black babies were used as alligator bait. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But, I mean, but like we, we see this play out today. Yeah. Today, I'm on the airplane flying to Los Angeles. And guess what's trending all over social media is Splash Mountain and the word woke. 
because Splash Mountain is a lovely attraction mm. at, at Disneyland. I just went on it last year with my kid for the first time based on Song of the South. Now, you don't see Uncle Remus anymore. They still play zippity doo when you go through. Disney has tried very hard to pretend that film never happened, and they announced <laughs> that they were closing down Splash Mountain and then reopening it to be based on Princess and the Frog, uh, which is Disney's first African-American princess, and I love my kid's favorite movie when he was a baby, and it's, it's a wonderful... My God, the racists who are so furious. They didn't mind when the drop-down uh, game ride was changed to be a Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, they didn't mind when, you know, all the other games were changed. But now that the Song of the South game, uh, the Song of the South ride has been changed uh, to literally, literally, they're furious Again, Rhonda, I know the word woke is a problem, but it seems like it used to mean anti-racist. And now the word woke is used to belittle and scorn any attempts at being less racist. At this point, I, I hear the word woke and I just assume, oh, someone tried to be less racist and it pissed off a racist and they're saying the word woke. I'm glad they're doing it because I think within 10 years, young people will be disgusted at how this became the acceptable code talk for racists to use with each other. This is Sirius XM. I'm John Fugelsang. Peace.